Hello, Aka people, and welcome to another fun episode of Tacapella. I am one half of your dynamic duo, John Lampus. And I'm Brian Alexander, and I got a gripe to pick with you, John Lampus. All right, Lampus. Hey, let me hear it. Let me hear it. Because one of the previous shows that we recorded, <laughs> I used a very similar opening, and I could have sworn I got some kind of pushback on the whole Aka people. Oh, you reference. did. You, you definitely Mass. 100% so did. It's finally settling in with you. You're, you're starting to feel more comfortable with it. You know, I think I just wanted to just to see how gross it made me feel. And it is it is kind of it is kind of growing on me just gross? a little bit. Oh, yeah, man, I can't believe you just said that. Oh. I mean, oh man, maybe if we're ever singing, we sing a lot of the songs at my school when I'm teaching my students uh, pieces. I teach them at usually acapella and maybe I should start calling them aca people. I think most of them would drop the class if I did that, but maybe just to see how far I could like kind of push them. I think you need a real world example just to prove how effective it can be. You know? So just like go into an audition for a group and call them Aka people. I think they'd be like, all right, this is, this is n- these <laughs> are not the droids we're looking for. Not if for. you're trying to get in the group, but if you have some kind of authority on the group, then okay. yeah, feel free. Man, you watched The Mandalorian yet? I, I haven't, man. You know, I'm not, I'm not completely bought into Disney Plus yet just because <sighs> I've heard so much negativity surrounding yesterday's launch. Okay, so. I'm loving it. If you want to borrow my password to watch an episode or two of The Mandalorian, just let me know. Okay, you just convinced me. All right, okay, I'll and that's what we're going to be talking about today, everyone. The Mandalorian, <laughs> a show from... No, we're talking about acapella. Guys, it's episode 99. What's that song? I got 99 problems. <laughs> and tacapella is... I don't. I didn't think of a second half to this joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> See, uh, in a podcast, isn't one. Tacapella yeah, isn't one. Yeah, it doesn't I'm, work. It doesn't work. I, I, didn't, I didn't put in the legwork. I didn't think of the rest of this joke. But today... We're joined by Aaron Director, who has been on, I want to say, four other episodes. I want to say this is his fifth, but I can't remember. The head and creator of Akaville. And fun fact, he's in the next room over from me right now. Hi, Aaron! Hello! <laughs> uh, see, oh, it's really huge. It's this really huge. weird for me to hear Aaron from both in through my headphones right now and because he's next door. I have checked the stats. I believe this is the 98th episode that I have appeared on, just by the way. 90, just wow. because of you are generally in the vicinity when I'm recording? <laughs> Does that count? Like, you can hear the door close every once in a while? Like, hey, yeah, that's, that's me. It's that's exactly. my moment. Yeah, I believe it. I would like uh, to know what we call a collective of acapella people, if not aca people. Is it aca pelicans? Is it aca pelicans? Oh my acapellites? god! I mean, what do you do? I, I mean, I've heard acapellite. I've said acapellite a few times. I, I heard. I've heard of a group. I think they're called the acapheliacs. That's also yes, pretty Florida interesting State. One. Yep, yep. I like it. Yeah. That's uh, not bad. I don't, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> John, it's always you. It's always going to be that one. Exactly. I'm not a pun guy. Actually, one of my favorite episodes that we did on the show was when, uh, and Aaron did not believe it could fill a whole episode, and then he realized <laughs> how negative I was and that, oh, no, it could. We did a whole episode. This is before your time, Brian, probably before you were born. Oh, man. <laughs> but <laughs> we did a whole episode on group names, the notion of puns, overused names, and I think Aaron was like, okay, well, this is a little fluffy, so let's see what we can do. And then I just came out like... I hate pun names, and I was like, "Oh, okay." I see we almost we're canceled the this. show right there. Actually, yeah, that was, was almost like, the all end. right. Gonna just dis- you know, just let's disconnect all of Akaville. Just go over and yeah. pull the server. Like we can't put this out there. Yeah. Hey, yeah. that sounds like an amazing episode. Just a discussion on all the acapella puns out there. Oh, come on! It's puns, names, and actually, it got into some. We got into some deeper stuff about like how that frames group identity and whatnot. But Aaron mm-hmm. did not believe in me. He did not believe in the topic, <laughs> just like he didn't believe that one time that I did the mystery theme hour and I did all Marvel names, and he was like, "No, nah, it, it didn't work." Where it was like the marvelous things, like strange, like 
hulking, uh, you know, the Iron Man, stuff like that. And he was like, no one's going to get this. And you know what? No one did. No and one did. Right. Yeah. No one did. So you know what? I think Surprise. I'm going to relent here and say, yeah, maybe maybe acapellicans is, is the right middle ground on how we refer to a group of oh, aca folks. We'll give it a try, you know. I'm, I'm not ready to write it off quite yet, but we'll try. Yeah. I just really wanted to say aca people to see how it sounds. So Aaron, you were present for the very first ever episode of Tacapella. You were right there. I can't remember. We might have recorded it twice. I can't remember if we did. I think we may have. I think it's you possible. said you should record that again. Not in a negative way, but you. I think you told me before and be sure to record it twice. And that we recorded, I want to say, February slash March of 2016. And that was a long time ago. We're coming up on four years of the show. It's amazing. Yeah, I'm not sure how that happened. But, and you're someone who is obviously very connected in the acapella world. I've asked you all the time, like, what's going on here? What's going on there? And so what I'd love to talk about today is to get a sense of, like, where the acapella community has come, how the world has grown, and the developments that have happened over the past, you know, three and a half years that Tacapella has been around. So first show recorded March of 2016. This episode is going to air at the beginning of 2020, I want to say. or the- Yeah, early 2020. I think that's right. Yeah. So I'm curious, what in the acapella community, what have been the major developments, revelations, and growing pains over the past three and a half, four years? I mean, let's set the stage a little, right? So that time, think of, let's see, Pitch Perfect 2 had come out. Pitch Perfect yep. 3 had not, right? So mm-hmm. this, uh, that so was So things mid- were still all right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> still had faith in Hollywood. Pop culture had not completely killed uh, film acapella yet at that point. <laughs> the sing-off was gone, but had been gone only for a little while, a couple of years at still that point. Had, a, had left its footprint, had left its mark. Yeah, very unlike today. The champs, generally speaking, were what the SoCal Vocals and Vocal Rush. I think I, you know, have those. Has anyone heard of those yeah. groups lately? Have they done anything? I, I, I've yeah. heard of them. SoCal's have won, uh, like I think, t- not this past year, but the previous one. Yeah, I think they. I think they've won about eighty-five things since then. Uh, I, I, think <laughs> they, I think that part has not changed at all since uh, since the show started. You know, I, I mean, I guess as I was thinking about the ninety-nine shows and the the several years, there are I think really positive signs and sort of not as positive signs on the on the scene in that time. I think one thing that has really been heartening to me over that time is that the sort of the evolution of the role of gender in acapella in terms mm-hmm. of formerly single gendered groups starting to become all gendered groups and groups in general sort of removing that as a criterion as opposed to other ways of kind of presenting themselves and just I think a trend towards a bit more diversity and inclusion across acapella not that there's not a lot more to go but but I think that's something that has been a key theme that I've seen anyway in the last few years. And I think um, I use the term or we use the term a lot uh, breaking with tradition. I, I feel like it's I've used it so much more um, in regards to acapella conversations than I have anywhere else. And I have also noticed that because I, I do a lot of writing for my channel that I do outside of acapella called College Acapella. And we just do a deep dive on all the different things that are going on in the collegiate space. And so many groups, yeah, like you said, have just kind of done away with the, you know, we're no longer all men. We're no no longer all female and we're, we see like fabled groups such as like the whip and poops allow the first female member of their group and i'm just like wow man all of this has just happened you know not like 10 15 years ago this happened like last year maybe a year or two ago and it's crazy i'm like it's exciting it's refreshing and it shows that hey this is something that it's not just different but it's an it's something that people can come in be a part of and make their mark and yeah. so i 
I'm like, I love these changes that you're talking about. I see it as a first step to kind of figuring out a slightly more complex issue of gender and of voice type and how that frames an acapella experience, like what you're looking for. Because I think it can be really easy to say just like, okay, we're inclusive of all genders, but at the same time, maybe they only want tenor-based voices or at the same, just based on instrument, like literally just think, I think of it almost sometimes more in terms of band, like literally thinking about instrumentation, or maybe we just want all treble voices. And what does that mean with soprano alto voices versus falsettists and stuff like that in terms of identity. And I think that it's going to continue to be kind of a messy topic that we're going to just kind of continue to work through and try to figure out, okay, well, what's the best way that we can one? Because I don't know, my I think of my group in Colorado, the, my group Mountain Horns, which I talk about all the time. I had no thoughts about gender when I started it, it was mainly just I wanted a tenor base group. So in our group's uh, constitution, I've talked about it before, I did not say males only. I can say anyone can audition, but you have to be able to sing a C3, the C below, middle C, I believe that's what it's called, just because that is the vocal range in which we are hoping to, that's kind of our wheelhouse where we want to be creating that music. And I think the topics about gender, I think overall, yeah, like, yeah, let's lean more towards being more inclusive than anything else rather than, than not. But I'm curious to see how that reconciles with desires for not single gender groups, but single like instrument groups, if you consider the male voice and the female voice separate. And it's something that, especially in the choral world, has not really been worked out and people are still trying to figure it out. And I'm curious to see how the acapella sphere continues to adjust and navigate this pretty tricky topic. Well, I think it's a pretty significant shift in the conversation if we're talking about capability as opposed to identity. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think Mm -hmm. if we're talking about we are looking for this vocal range and whatever identity you happen to have and how you perceive yourself and your place in the world and all those sorts of things, it's all about can you do that? Can you Mm -hmm. meet that range? And I think that's a pretty different place than we were not all that long ago. And it's interesting to see other acapella organizations and sort of genres try to figure out how to navigate it too. And you look at the barbershop world, for example, which is another place where this conversation has been going on for a while. BHS, yeah. And they're taking a different approach, but sort of getting to the same place, I think, in terms of, you know, the Barbershop Harmony Society admitting and bringing women in as full members, ultimately. They're kind of working on that over time and having mixed quartets and choruses. And I think they're still kind of grappling with the legacy of the sort of gender-based identification that was really the Mm -hmm. formation of their whole organization. But I think they're doing it in a really genuine, honest, and inclusive way. And I'm guessing they're going to end up probably where we all will eventually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Aaron, I like how you brought up this, the concept of, you know, capability versus personality. And I think that's a really big thing that we have to really stop and analyze and evaluate at the end of the day. Because for me personally, I harbor no strong feelings towards mixed groups or single gender type groups or things like that. But I think of all the, a lot of groups out there who have this tradition, who have this history of being, you know, one voice type or being, you know, a single gender type group. And I look at it more while it's easy to be like, hey, you know, we can adjust some things to allow for various voice parts. It's a lot harder to find the right people who fit the personality style because like uh, we've discussed on the show so many really popular groups, a lot of collegiate groups, some of the all male groups or, you know, those single gender type groups, they they have a lot of bases in humor and comedy involved mm-hmm. in who their personality and things is. And you know what? Maybe they have nothing against being open up the doors to uh, all different kind of members who want to join their group, but maybe it's a lot, it's more difficult to find the people who will gel with what they're trying to accomplish. I think that's right. We, you know, on the spotlight, one of the shows that 
I host here at Acavale, we sit down for about a half an hour with a group and we talk in depth about sort of how they are and what they do. We hear them saying and all that kind of stuff. And one of the things that I ask them often around that recruitment process is how much are you looking for talent and capability and sort of the ability to do the musical stuff and how much you're looking for personality fit and it's always interesting to me about just what you're bringing up that some are very much on one side or the other some kind of try to mix a little bit of both and i think the result in terms of sound and cohesiveness is different depending on where you land on that spectrum right and i think also is and to go along with that is we're seeing a greater rise of performers in the collegiate space versus just straight on singers i think that's been a focus in the past has been you know can we get these strong technical singers possibly to fit into what we're doing but now we're seeing you know people who can steal the spotlight and more groups are wanting those members who can be visible on you know youtube or who can be at the forefront of their live gigs and things like that so it's super important to have these different kind of people. I wonder about that being a double-edged sword to some degree. I mean, I wonder if there's a natural limitation point at which if you are looking for lots of individual contributors that you lose the core sound of a cohesive group. Mm. I don't know that we're there right now, but I wonder if that's a concern as, because I think you're right. I think we're getting a lot of, we're sort of in an era of showy solo and in an era mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. big sort of solo driven staging and that kind of stuff. If we look at competition sets and that kind of stuff and setting aside the sort of world of emo that we've been in and just can't <laughs> seem to escape. And that's a whole separate yeah. show that whoop, uh, is a whole different thing. But, uh, you know, I just wonder if, if at some point there's a play on this path where we lose the cohesive blend of the whole. Yeah, and on that topic of maybe something that isn't going as well or could be less positive in the future, Aaron, you mentioned some things that over the past three and a half years that maybe haven't been as great. And I'm curious, is that one of them or are there any other topics that come to mind when we talk about developments over the past three and a half, four years in the acapella community and ones that maybe are slightly less positive than obviously the great step towards diversity and inclusion? Well, I think one of the things, and it has a whole bunch of kind of knock-on effects as well, but I think one of the things that I'm always sort of hypersensitive to and and I've had a lot of conversations about this with your guest for the next episode after mine. I'm the warm-up act, I think, for episode 100. Deek, deek, deek. Uh, <laughs> and I'm uh, happy, to, happy to be, of course. You yeah. know, is about the kind of rise and slight ebb of acapella in popular culture since the beginning of Tacapella. And I think, as I mentioned, the sing-off had just ended sort of shortly before when this show started. Pitch Perfect 2 had happened, had become the best-selling musical comedy film of all time when it came out in mid-2015. And I don't know that we have the same kind of large brush presence in the kind of popular culture that we did then. We talked about this recently, yeah. I think, though, that we're getting it there in other ways, though, right? I mean, we're getting there through touring productions. We're getting there through mid-sized city shows. We're getting there through other ways of getting in front of people who are interested. But I don't know if we have the kind of broad, global, sort of proselytizing opportunity around the glory of harmony through harmony and contemporary acapella that we did sort of around the time that Tacapella started. And, and I, for one, blame Tacapella for that. I think Tacapella has ruined Tacapella. Uh, <laughs> yeah, our show has dated it. <laughs> yeah, because we just have so many listeners. Brian, what do you think all that? Because we talked about this recently about like just Acapella in popular culture and our kind of our footprint and how we, I mean, sometimes even less our footprint, like how we break through the noise to reach the masses on what 
what is acapella and how we kind of break through all that. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because I feel like I have a, a set ideology when it comes to these kind of things, when it, specifically acapella, and I'm just a, that type of person who's like, you know what, I love this sing-off. I love all the shows that the UK has done. I love all the different big names that you can throw out there. And I'm like, we need that. We need this in order to thrive. And I've always been like that. And as I'm listening to Aaron talk, I'm just like kind of going back through in my mind. And I'm just like, he's pointing out, you know, we do have the, you know, more, maybe not as grand of a scale when it comes to those, the passings we've had, but we have those touring companies. We have a lot more small event type things. And I'm just like, well, Matt, is that what our bread and butter is, should mm-hmm. be when it comes to acapella? Because at the end of the day, if you ask me, I'm a very biased uh, opinion because I listen to acapella probably more than I listen to the radio review albums for an acapella organization. I, I do acapella stuff every single day. So if you ask me, I'm always going to be like, yes, I want more. But is that really how you bring more people in? And I'm just debating, probably, mm-hmm. probably not. And is that necessary to its longevity at the end of the day? And I'm just like, well, if we just have something going on, maybe that's good enough. I don't know. I think that raises a really important question that I think we kind of hinted at on on episode 95, Brian. And Aaron, I'm curious your thoughts on this. Is it better to have one of those large brushstrokes of like pitch perfect, pentatonics, like things that totally break through? Or is it more effective and potentially more sustainable to have lots of smaller impact, a lot of smaller things doing the work on a wider scale as opposed to one big thing that people may eventually get tired of. People aren't as hyped on pentatonics now as I think they were a couple of years ago. And is that bad? Or is does it say, okay, we need to have like greater biodiversity in the cultural buy-in from people who aren't involved in acapella? I mean, obviously my A choice would be yes, right? I, mean, I think uh, we would want to have all of those things because I think they all serve different purposes. But I tend to be, I- I've been convinced through you know these conversations I was talking about before that there's reason to be optimistic that when we have a decapella with a touring company that's going around the world and selling out shows all over the place and leveraging the sort of the Disney song catalog to bring acapella to audiences that may not otherwise have spent a lot of time thinking or, or being exposed to it. You know, when we have these shows like I spent some time last weekend at the Kettering National Acapella Festival with Rockapella and they had just come to that festival from... Did they find Carmen San Diego? They did and they, <laughs> and they sang all about it in their show. Great. Okay. I know they've been looking for it for a while. Exactly. There's quite a chase. In Yankton, South Dakota is where they were right before that. And, you know, Yankton, obviously not a giant location, but they sell out these shows and they have a touring company specifically that goes to these smaller to medium sized communities where they're reaching not the necessarily preteen teen tween kids that are listening to pop pentatonics on the radio but rather people who are seasoned subscribers and for whom this is a another musical opportunity so uh, you know i think we can still reach these people i think it's just harder to get to everyone without an, an international sort of broadcast platform that we've that had but done. yeah i don't think it's cause for dismay i just think it's something that's less good <laughs> than it was a few years ago yeah. probably yeah and i think with that i think it's important, like you're, like Aaron is saying, to kind of have a little bit of a mix of stuff. For me, as I'm listening to all of this, my mind is processing, you know, what could this potentially look like? And in a perfect world, I think we will continue to have someone like a Pentatonics. We would continue to have someone like a Decapella because they have really strong fan bases. And from what I've been able to tell, a lot of Pentatonics fan base, you know, they're of a younger generation. And so they can keep that energy going. But mm-hmm. then for maybe like an older audience who probably, you know, is looking for something to 
little bit different. Uh, you know, we probably, it probably would help to have, you know, a big production of some sort, like a sing-off every few years or have some kind of mainstream yeah. platform that people can tune into. But, you know, you know, maybe there's a lapse in it every few years. Because that's what sing-off was great for years. I'm like, I love the entire run, but it was great for a few years. And then, you know, after a while, you know, maybe the interest started dying down and it was just his time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious, Aaron, where do you think we'll be three to four years from now? Oh, that's such a good question. That's a question I, bet, I ask. Yeah, I bet you this, wonder this a lot. <laughs> I ask that question on the spotlight to groups all the time and I am always interested in their answers. Uh, so I think vis-a-vis the popular culture question, I think that we will probably be incrementally better than we are today, but probably not back to the heyday of 2012, 2013, 2014, when Pitch Perfect, the original movie, had come out and done crazy business that no one expected, and the sing-off was on, and, you know, the was 2011 was the, the full season where the sing-off did a full run. It was, the I think, the Pentatonix yeah. year. And, you know, I don't, I don't know that we're going to get back to that, at least in the next three, four years, but I also know that, you know, look, in the 80s, we had this giant acapella surge where... You know, there were groups that were acapella that were selling out giant stadia and doing huge tours. There were, you know, that we had sort of in the 90s, there was another kind of bubble where it kind of went and uh, and got then when it went back down again, I, I would expect that we'll probably continue that pace. And that's great when the bubble is happening. But I think it's that kind of day to day touring group kind of going around sharing the performances that's just going to keep humming along. Yeah, well said. It's my hunch. I'm curious. So again, talking about these big brushstrokes, talking about breaking through the noise, is it, I'm wondering what the larger non-acapella world's like, not just their appetite, but how, I'm I'm trying to find the right word for it. There's a metaphor here that's just not coming to mind, but I'll just say it like this. Are we going to ever have another, like, can we have another quirky quirky comedy satire about acapella or because Pitch Perfect already did it, can we never get back to that? Can we not have, you know, we have a billion superhero movies every year. I love that. But a couple of years ago, that would have been, not a couple of years ago, like 20 years ago, it's like, well, no, we already had Superman. We don't need another movie like that. Are we ever going to get to that point where people want another acapella movie or want another group like Pitch Perfect? Or I, I feel like we keep every once in a while, we'll get these competition series because competition seems like a pretty, you know, cyclical thing people always want. But I guess I'm wondering, like, are we going to have those kind of big impacts in that exact form again? Or are we going to have to have some, regardless if it's a lot of smaller things or a bigger thing, does it have to take a new form because people are going to be like, ah, oh, we already had a group like Pentatonix, or we already had a group, quote unquote, break the mold and win a Grammy, or we already had, uh, you know, a quirky movie about acapella, so it can't take that form again because they're just doing what someone else did. Because I know I'd like more stuff like that, but is the general audience of non acapellites are they going to just be like, no, 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 we already had that, and does that limit kind of the tools we can use to break through? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I mean, I, I was sort of thinking as you were asking the question about parallels and analogs, right? I was thinking mm-hmm. about, you know, we had the movie Office Space. And then we had The Office, the UK and then the US versions. And one was a movie, one was TV. They both talked about sort of humorous things in an office, but I don't think anyone would confuse any of the three of them for each other. Yeah. You know, they covered the same ground, but they did it in very different ways. At the same time, we had Glee and we had The Sing-Off and both going on around the same time. 
uh, again, uh, for people who are familiar with a cappella, or presumably people who are familiar with show choir, they know that those aren't the same thing. But I think to the vast majority of people across the world who watch one or both of those, they cover the same ground in different ways, right? There are people singing with or without accompaniment and doing it in some sort of competitive way. And one was dramatized and one was reality. But so I guess all of that by way of saying, if we look at the sort of historical analogs of the last 15, 20 years, there's room, right? I mean, I think there's mm-hmm. there's room for it to come back around. I don't know if it comes back around with Rebel Wilson Anna and Kendrick. Anna Kendrick. Oh, yeah. that, you ooh, know, ooh, that was cute. <laughs> uh, but, but I think it, there are ways for, you know, there are lots of different acapella stories to tell, right? We've all been in the acapella world as performers and singers and group members as well as observers. And there are as many different kinds of stories to tell in this world as there are in any world. It doesn't have to be based on a Mickey Rapkin book in order to be a, a movie about acapella. I think there are a lot of other things that could be talked about. Yeah, and and that brought up another thought in my mind and uh, kind of a, a question leading to another question with that is where Pitch Perfect did the kind of play on humor, you know, does acapella have that other side to it? Because Dramatic. I think it shows like American Idol, you know, Simon Cowell, you know, that whole uh, initial audition, everyone was thought it was humorous because he would make fun of some of the people that come in and, and had that humor to it. Whereas The Voice, there's nothing really humorous about it. It's just great singing. I'm like, does acapella have those two sides? to play off of? You know, that's a great question. I I think one of the things that acapella can probably credibly be accused of is not being very edgy in that way. We're we're mm. not a mean community. We're not a harsh community. At least that has been my experience generally. There are outliers, of course, and you people know who you are. You know, I think the it would be a big disjuncture for people who are enmeshed in acapella to see a Simon Cowell of acapella. Uh, at least the old version of Simon Cowell, not the America's Got Talent version of Simon Cowell. It's sort of the <laughs> defanged, you know, nicey, nicey version. The nice but human version. Exactly, yes. exactly. The the robot Simon Cowell that was in the early years of uh, American Idol. Maybe that's something that would be an interesting area to explore. I would love to see a drama, an hour-long drama mm-hmm. that takes place behind the scenes of a loosely based on current organization company that runs acapella competitions for example we we kind of talked about this a little bit on on episode 95 where uh, again it was just me and brian and we touched on like yeah we had our comedy we had our fun stuff but we talked about the things that people who aren't in the acapella world don't see through the general the current uh, popular culture incarnations and depictions of it and a lot of that is the grind like sitting there like I'm not singing my notes right like I'm trying I'm always flat on this and like the struggle that comes with that and a lot of people just gloss over it or make it super dramatized in a way that's just you know for sensationalism but I think there is an opportunity for to have that kind of I don't know as someone who was a vocal performance major and in acapella groups like their days are just like I'm terrible I did not get this and I'm struggling and I think there is a way that acapella in whether a scripted series could really tap into that in a way that is honest and also touches on you know just a corner of the acapella world that really hasn't been depicted we've seen rehearsals but we haven't seen rehearsals where you know and again i'm just repeating myself from episode 95 but it's like oh he's carrying her baby but it's really you know this person's blah no the thing the the crux of the episode is that they had a really tough rehearsal and for whatever reason the the group is not tuning that day and that's it i i don't know but something like that that explores that territory that up until this point has been pretty glossed over i'm with you i was also envisioning 
running a show that focused on like a company that let's just call it Scholastic Sings. And Scholastic Sings is a company that puts on this international singing competition that has locations all around the country and the world. And so they're dealing with the next production and they're dealing with the people that they have running the shows and they have dealing with the groups. And so, you know, you have all the kind of dramas associated with the singing part, as well as all the dramas associated with just putting on a show and putting on 25 or 100 shows or, you know, all these kinds of things. And I mean, the real life version that may that might be loosely based on certainly carries a lot of drama associated with it. So there's no reason why an actual dramatized version wouldn't make for pretty good tv we're gonna make this a show and we're gonna get it on apple tv plus uh it's happening which i I was telling aaron yesterday apparently i subscribed to didn't mean to we actually gotta take a quick break here and then we are gonna be right back here with aaron director on episode 99 of tacapella oh shoot i just missed my favorite akaville show what it gets rebroadcast on sundays great news You too can tune in on Sundays for Rebroadcast Sunday, where we replay all of our original programming twice, once in the morning and once in the evening. Check out our schedule on Akaville.org so that you can tune into your favorite show again. Akaville, the best in acapella shows and music, rebroadcast on Sundays. Hello, painters. Welcome back to Smacapella, your look at the world of art and watercolors. Here we are with your hosts, Brian and John. <laughs> what is going on? Oh wait, that's on? not it, is it? All <laughs> right. Happening? Sorry, one more time. One more time. Howdy y'all, it's Bacapella. Your look at chicken coops and chicken coop farming. Here they are. It's John and Brian. Our audience is so confused now. They're like, what? I'm keeping both of those. We're leaving leave them in, Amanda. Leave them in. Leave them in. We're not doing it live. That's <laughs> I'm sure. Hey everyone. Um, man, that's going to be weird when we layer that in. It's going to be like, oh, welcome. Uh, He's like, I'm like, I tuned it to the wrong show. But Bacapella is just going to carry on longer than everything else. Yeah, exactly. Wait, what's going on? <laughs> Everyone, we're back here on uh, Tacapella for episode 99 with Aaron Director. And that's, I will never forget that that intro, that, that, that reintroduction there. Because we told Aaron like, hey, you know, we're going to layer these all in for episode 100 with each person who's ever said, and welcome back to Tacapella, make your stand out. And I think the way he did well it was said. just blatantly lying, which was really, which was really clever in in my opinion. So we've had a fun time today, kind of looking back and just just some broad strokes on the world of contemporary acapella and how it's evolved over the past three and a half years that acapella has been going. And now we're going to take a time, as you know, I'll, I'll reiterate as I talked about on last episode and a couple other episodes that episode one hundred will be my last on acapella. Uh, you know, it, it's just time for me and in, in my life, and that's you know just. There's no other way to put it that, yeah, it's it's just the right time for me to move on to a next phase. And I'd love to take some time here to go full on Seinfeld <laughs> clip show and look back on our, just look back a little bit on the highlights of Tacapella and kind of what this show has meant to the three of us who are, you know, very involved. Or maybe we, we should give Amanda a call and be like, how's it been editing our voices? Bad? Okay. You didn't, you didn't like it. And just take some time to look back on maybe our favorite episodes, maybe some favorite memories. Because, you know, before we get started, I just, again, want to thank Aaron for giving us the opportunity to make this show and to have it become at least for me personally one of the most greatest creative experiences of my life getting to build this from the ground up and then getting brian on and having just a great creative partnership there and learning more about myself as a pundit as an analyzer and also just as someone who talks a lot um just learning about how to do all those things and something i love and having the support from you and saying get this mic not that mic you talk talk like this do this just that 
I, you know, okay. I, I just want to reemphasize for all our listeners that the show would not be possible without Akaville and without Aaron, not only providing the structure, but just providing the warmth and the guidance and the support that anyone who's trying to just make a thing needs when they go out into the world and try to create. So I, I want to, you know, just say thank you, Aaron, for everything you've given this program over the past three and a half years. Well, that's really sweet, John. I, I appreciate that. I think you oversell my input and under undervalue your own. I think if we, uh, and I encourage people to do this, uh, if you go back and listen to some of the early episodes of the show and some of the middle episodes of the show and some of the more recent episodes of the show, I think what you'll hear is both an evolution in format, which we can also talk about a little bit, but also I think what it shows is the value of diligence and persistence and effort and sort of building a community and a team. Uh, you know, I refer, when I do tweets for this show, I often refer to the mm-hmm. Taka team. Taka team. Uh, <laughs> and I Great think, name. you know, it takes a village, man. I mean, this is a show, and and that village. I have that yeah. tattooed across my across my left. I just muscle. wish you didn't show it to us every time you recorded the show. But you know, <laughs> like, hey, <laughs> John, this exactly. show isn't recorded. It's exactly. not. It's not video. But I think that's a testament to you in terms of how you've built the team around you and brought on pretty amazing people like Brian and like your segment hosts that you've had over the time and. Uh, I, so I just commend you on all the great work and, and the really interesting hours that you've put together. And I'll echo a lot what John is saying. I think Acapella as well as Acapella Radio in general has really given the Acapella community something special because I, I think a lot of groups that I was able to kind of see and, you know, just kind of follow over the years, you know, during my time in high school and college, and it's almost like you have all those different segmented groups and they're looking for something to make their own. They're looking for something to latch on to and you know there are so many acapella enthusiasts out there and you know it's almost like we kind of hide behind you know closed doors you know just because there's not a lot to grab onto at least that's the way it used to be but now especially with acapella radio you know we have this platform where you know we can hear so much cool content whether it be music or we can hear about people discussing the things we love about this has been an awesome surreal experience and it's been great finding a voice here as well so kudos to you Aaron for creating this project this wonderful thing well it's it's been a team effort on our end as well and and I appreciate your work and being part of that team as well so thank you very much probably the biggest contribution that Aaron's made to the show is this one time when I was really (laughs) hungry he gave me these rosemary flavored triscuits with I believe it was prosciutto and also I think it was some like little tomatoes and I didn't eat any of those I tried to and I thought they were gross I was really tempted we I have an office here that has a balcony and I was like should I just Just like them right over the tomatoes out so it looks like yeah so it looks like I ate them all. So that was, you know, that was a pretty big moment because I didn't know Rosemary Triscuits existed. And man, my was my life changed. So I think it'd be really fun if we run around and talk about some of our, either our favorite memories or our favorite episodes from Tacapella. I've been trying to come up with like a top 10 list since I hit episode 10. <laughs> and I got five that really stuck out to me. And, you know, I, I, I kind of think it'd be fun. I know, Brian, you probably didn't listen to every single <laughs> episode before your time. Right now. <laughs> um, yeah, I just sit there and like, all right, John's not on the show anymore. So I'm just going to make sure he never leaves my subconscious. Just listen to all of these. And, and I know you haven't listened to every single one, but of the ones that stick out, I think I think it'd be great if we if we did a little roundtable and talked about some of our favorites and why that 
is. So whoever wants to start, jump in. I'll start, I guess. I'll start with one, and then I, I have a few as well. But the one of the ones that came to mind immediately when you'd mentioned that you might ask this question was... You mean about like 30 minutes ago? Yeah, something like that. About five minutes was, yeah, before recording? Just, uh, just before recording. But one that came to my mind immediately was the sexism episode. Of, yeah, with Katie Simon. And uh, the, the reason I was with a member of DeVisi, as I recall. Yep, Katie Simon. She's yes. great. And I think that episode stood out to me for a couple of reasons. One is because it's such a critical topic and it's something that is a topic, you know, we talked about the role of gender sort of changing uh, in the earlier part of our time together today. But I think it's also worth highlighting that that doesn't mean there are no issues there and that there aren't a lot of things that we still need to confront as a community. And it was also a time in the evolution of the show, I think, that gave Tacapella an opportunity to take on a, a sort of more serious, heavy topic. Yeah. That hadn't sort of been a key part of the mix up until that yeah. point. So I think to me, it was important both in terms of the topic and it was covered well, and also just in terms of what it meant around the evolution of the show. So that would be my, my first one. Well said. Ooh, Brian? Yeah, I'm going to play the same card there. I'm going to think of some as we go along. But one of the first ones that comes to mind is definitely our episode with Chris Harrison from Aurora. Oh, yeah. That, that was, was so... a wonderful episode. And it was, I think, what made it so exhilarating for the episode. You know, it, it wasn't like we were discussing a lot of educational or technical stuff. It was more the stories from the road, that other perspective that pre- yeah. people probably don't really think about. Because normally you think about acapella and you're just like, okay, it's just kind of this happy-go-lucky art form. There's a lot of cool things that we can do at times. But and like, mm-hmm. no, sometimes it digs down deep into the trenches. And Chris kind of gave us that perspective which was just like so kind of awesome to hear at the end of the day and it also had sentimental value to me because i have been a fan of aurora which was formerly known as sonos for years back in college mm-hmm. i think that i saw rockapella back in high school and then my first group i saw in college was aurora and they came to austin one time and we actually me and a few friends got to hang out with them and so there was always this kind of sentimental value to it because i got to connect with them and it was a bigger example of how, you know, you think of like your famous, you know, all these famous celebrities that you love and you follow and you kind of admire at the end of the day, they're kind of so far away, you know, the chances of actually meeting them and conversing with them is, you know, like one in a million. Whereas what I love about our community is, you know, people are probably just, you know, two degrees away, one degree away sometime, and you can Mm -hmm. find a way to get to them. And they're so welcoming and so warm and are willing to give them themselves to come and give back to the community so that's what i loved about that episode that was so fun i remember i i will regularly I go straight from Tacapella usually to church choir rehearsal where I lead my church choir and I'll usually just slog because I'm going down I-5 and, and rush hour but I'll usually voice text Brian <laughs> like that was good or like what'd you think of that and that was one like yes. dude that was so much fun Christopher Harrison that was just a blast so much storytelling so much just that man that energy was great I wanted, I, I'm pretty sure that episode is in mm. the 80s you guys I mean, remember all our episodes are on iTunes and go take a look at that one of my favorites I mean I've got I've got a lot but definitely sticks out to me me is one we titled Letting mm. Your Group Go. And we did that one with Greg Starr. And I want to say that's in like the 60s. Number 60. Um, number Wow. And it was one where we kind of, I think, took a step forward in addressing a topic that wasn't necessarily like uncomfortable, but is one you just wouldn't put a spotlight on. You don't really talk about like, hey, how do you deal with like your baggage from your acapella group and trying to like have your kind of singer power fantasy that you don't have anymore and acknowledging and I pause relationships with both of my previous groups. They, I better because I give them money each year um, of the very little I have. Um, 
but I think it was a topic that I hear people just in regular conversation dance around and no one really knows how to talk about it. No one knows how to say, well, I'm not in the group anymore, but I wish I still was, or I wish like my people who took over the group liked me more, or I wish I had treated them better, or I wish I wasn't so controlling. All of these things that I don't know if any of us were like guilty of being like really bad or like anything like that. That wasn't really what we talked about, but we just were able to let out, you know, process some of these things. And I think talking about those things is processing them and doing it on a topic that I think was a trend in our last kind of like last 20 episodes, I want to say, and just touching on things that are a little more, not even uncomfortable, but just not something you would think to dive into. It's not something you think, well, can you critically think about how you miss your acapella group? Yeah, you can and you should because you will feel better afterwards. I know I felt better afterwards and I think it was a topic that it's letting your group go. That's a pretty <laughs> sexy title, I think, but it's also not like a fun, doesn't sound like a fun thing to listen to and I think it was a title where we came to a really kind of healthy understanding of not moving beyond your groups but moving them into a different place of your life and how you relate to them and I came away from that one feeling just a lot more at peace in how I look back on the groups I was in at the time and the groups that mm-hmm. I wish I had been in Yeah, it brings more kind of context to the whole idea of, you know, the best years of your life when you're talking about college and stuff. And what they don't tell you is, hey, if I go to a college and I start an acapella group and I commit all of my outside of class time to doing this, that, you know what, I'm going to miss it at some point. They they don't really dive into that. And so I definitely get where you're coming from, John, um, on why that was such an important episode. It meant a lot to me because, yeah, I'm like, I thought about my group so much after I left because it was something that, you know, we started from the ground up. And I know you've had that experience. And I know, Aaron, you know, you started Acaville Radio. And so we've all had that connection on creating something, creating this entity that we yeah. hope just continues on. So man, that's, that's awesome. I had the mixed fortune, I suppose, of the group that I started in college disbanding not oh, long after. <laughs> So. Yeah, that's and that's something I like worry about. I, sometimes I'll just be like, "Hey, you guys still exist?" Yep. Okay, good. Right. Just like right. that's 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 a thing. But it's good news, bad news, right? I mean, it's bad news in that it really does not speak highly to the quality that I exerted in terms of making it sustainable while I was there. But the good news is, it's easy to let go because it ain't around anymore. <laughs> yeah. Aaron, what's another one that's that's on your mind? Either a favorite memory or favorite episode. The other the other category for me of episodes that I really like are the ones that feature people that I really like. And so. I think of some of the episodes that had, for example, you had the episode with Ball in the House. I really love those guys. I I really like I really like Amanda Tran Rocks. I call her Amanda Tran Rocks because that's her social (laughs) media handle. But uh, Amanda (laughs) Tran, you've had her on the show. I know a couple of times and Lisa Hawkins and people who I just I enjoy and I I enjoy spending time with them when I get a chance to see them. And so it's fun Mm -hmm. for me to hear them on the show because I think they bring they each brought themselves to the show in ways that uh, reflected who they are and reflected sort of why I like them so much, why they're cool people. Yeah, and just to kind of piggyback off of that, since you mentioned Amanda, I'm probably going to steal one of yours, John's, but one of my... <laughs> I mean, it's always... I, I knew you were going to talk about it, but like, it's it's got to be like a number... It's, up, it's easily top three, but yeah, our episode with Amanda Tran on, you know, kind of diversity and acapella, it's, I believe mm-hmm. it was like the very first time I'd ever really sat down and had a discussion on, you know, what it meant to be like a person of color in acapella, and that was something something that, you know, I understood it, I always internalized it, but I never really spoke to anyone about it because I was always in a leadership position. I never had to, you know, really evaluate what my experiences were because I was just always so busy doing other stuff. And so I love that we had that episode to be like, hey, this is a real thing. This is a real issue that that people face 
and acapella music, you know, representation is a really big deal. You know, we're not an exception when it comes to that. Just having that discussion, uh, you know, being able to share my thoughts and then hear someone else's thoughts on it that Amanda, all the thoughts that she shared. Yeah. Another person of color, too, yeah, was, like a woman of color. It was very yeah. validating to hear that, you know, especially, you know, from the female perspective on, on that as well. And so that was great. And then just to kind of hear how you responded to it, man, it was such a deep conversation that I don't know where else I would have heard something like that. And it was very meaningful for me as, you know, as a straight, white, cisgender, able-bodied male, I, I can rattle those <laughs> off pretty well. Like it was just a very humbling experience for me to be able to just kind of share and analyze my own privilege and get your guys's feedback, like on how I have tried to navigate that, failed sometimes, succeeded at others, and just the uh, graciousness in which you guys kind of let me into that space to say, you know, this is what we feel sometimes. And I think that's an episode that a lot of people, especially in your position, especially if you're in positions of power, especially if you're white, that you can learn a lot from. Because I, I mean, that's, I talk about how some of my favorite episodes of Talk Capella are the ones where I learn a lot. And it was great learning, not only a lot, but learning from people who I interact with regularly. And this, this whole other dimension that can so easily just not be considered when you're talking about a music group. And that's, I think that's number 74. And that is, that's a great one. One of my other favorites is, I mean, there's a couple. Uh, I really like the one, it's it's in the 80s, maybe the 90s, Chris Rischel, who is probably one of the yes. smartest people I've ever met. And Brian and I kind of, 88. See, eight's my eight's my lucky number. Brian and I talk a lot about how to not wrestle the <laughs> mic away, but like if a guest is talking mm-hmm. too much, how we get things back on track. And and we don't really yeah. have that issue that much, but like because we can also edit it <laughs> if we really need to. They stop talking right here. We swear. <laughs> and we we had that discussion I think earlier, just like okay, so if the guest is going on on a, a bit of a tangent or you know not quite on what we're talking about, how do we handle that? And this was so great because Chris talk about you know talk for most of that episode and it was amazing we were just like this is the kind where you just don't want to get in their way just he's so mm-hmm. smart so well spoken just just say everything you want to say into this mic and let us record it please because his talk on institutional memory has changed how i view just like being a choir director and his analytical brain and just the depth he went to on topics that we talk about every day and how much deeper he went than i ever could i just i you know what it's the opposite of that, like Billy Madison quote at the end of like where he de- where he's in the quiz show or whatever. I don't know if anyone. I haven't even seen the movie. Oh, I just know on. the quiz where it's like he goes on this long tangent. He's like, and the get and the host or the announcer or whatever is like, everyone here is now dumber for having heard what you just said. And that was the opposite here. Like I feel like a smarter person because I just heard Chris Richel talk about institutional memory, and it's one of my favorites that I think will will yeah. age well because it's just it. He's got so much brain as uh, that's not a that's not a saying but i just i learned so much from him in that episode and it i want to read and i want to read more stuff that's written by him and i think a lot of people could learn a lot on how to not only run a group but how to maintain a group from that episode with chris Richel. yeah and it brought so much understanding to um you know the experiences that we've had before not only did we just learn much it was like okay I, I went back and i was like okay this is why this happened in this group because you know we weren't doing x and we weren't doing y and so man that was i'm glad you brought that episode up that was one of my favorite too awesome also my top favorite list episode 37 i can't remember what it's called 
but it's Brian's first episode. <laughs> and that was an episode. And, and I, you know, not to say anything negative about the previous 36 guests, but it was great to have someone connect with someone on a creative and punditry level in the same way that I connected with a lot of my lifelong friends who had been on the show. And I remember just messaging Aaron like, hey, I want to play this episode two weeks in a row because it's so good. And he, and he was like, well, we actually probably shouldn't do that right. for like these, <laughs> these reasons. And he's like, but do you have an ep- another episode? And I was like, no. And I was like, he's like, well, I guess we're playing right, it again. Uh, we're doing it. Wow. That's uh, the challenges in- of starting a group, by the way, was that episode. Yes. Oh, okay. I'm like, I, thank you for that refresher. I was, con- yep, I was trying to absolutely. remember. Absolutely. And it was an episode where I would just, uh, the, the buzzword of that one was chemistry, just in how we related to each other and how we understood like where we were going with jokes, how we understood like, oh, you think this? Well, I think this. Oh, man, that's a really cool <laughs> idea. And I listen back to that one sometimes and being like, yeah, it makes sense that he'd become a host on the show. And when it was like, it was right after episode like 50 or 55, where it was the end of, I was at the end of grad school and I was feeling pretty burnt out on literally everything and i was like okay how do i kind of give tacapella a shot in the arm and i was like well coast would be good and looking back it was just like i'm just gonna and i messaged Aaron, and i was like i'm gonna invite brian as the co-host on i've had him on two episodes i don't know him that well but i want him on this show and it was clearly a very good decision because i think it added a totally new dimension to the show it added a new perspective and it just made me more excited to not just bounce ideas off someone I'm just meeting, uh, but to bounce ideas off someone I'm just meeting with someone who I know who I trust in a creative sense. And you can just see the seeds of that in that episode. And it's really, it's pretty heartwarming to be like, oh, look, like this is, it's like when a guest character comes on a sitcom and they're only playing to have a bit part and then they do so well that they make them a regular. That's, that's what like that one kind of felt for me just just like that you know they were originally going to kill off aaron paul's character in breaking bad but he was so good they made him the co-star that's the point i was waiting for you to get to I, I stopped short of inviting brian to cook wet meth with me but i think that would have even that would have even been better so episode 37 challenges of starting a group brian's first episode oh, one of my one of my top 10 easily really really solid one. I, I love that little subtle sneak in on oh yeah we're planning on it like killing them off at the end i was like okay if i go back and listen to the episode i might feel similarly about that but uh yeah I, i'm refusing to go back and listen to that I, I have no doubt it was probably a good episode uh but you know that was oh man all the times yeah indeed yeah long long ago all right everyone that's going to do it for this segment of Talkapeller. We're going to take a short break. We're going to talk to Aaron. We're going to hear some plugs. And then we're going to be right back here on Talkapella. Acaville is broadening our network. We're introducing a new show and podcast called Vocal Perspective, hosted by myself, Rachel Schoenbaum, and the amazing Amanda Cornaglia. Each week, we speak with a new female or female-identifying member of the Acapella community to talk about ideas, themes, and topics that affect us. Tune in at Acaville on Tuesdays at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 p.m. Pacific, or on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Acaville, home of vocal perspective. Thanks for tuning back in to Talk Appello. Man, have we been treated today. We've had Aaron, the director of Acaville Radio, on today, just to kind of reflecting on what we've been with acapella in general as well as the road acapella radio has kind of gone and you know kind of what we hope to see down the line so thanks so much to aaron for coming on the show and i love please go back and listen to this previous segment over and over again all the highlights that we've had during the time of acapella all our favorite shows you know you might learn a few things uh, if you go back and revisit some of those old episodes there's a lot of fun behind the scenes stuff that very (laughs) few people would care about but I, i i think they're pretty interesting sometimes i look at that like "Mm, yep yep 
that that you can def I no one else can tell what's going on here, mm-hmm. but I can. So if anyone wants juicy behind the scenes stuff, like the one there's like two or three where I'm clearly you can't tell in the edited audio, but I'm clearly eating a euro in between takes. That happened more than once. I want to get a, a listener to go back and count how many times <laughs> John references noodles on the different oh, shows. Oh man, I used to do that, didn't I? Oh yeah. I thought there was an endorsement deal for a while, and I was waiting for I, the cash to start rolling in, but it just never did. It's because it's because I never had noodles and company, and at old Ockerville at the old headquarters, which I, man, I, I have such nostalgia for that place. I haven't gone back there since, and I kind of just want to go back in this <laughs> random credit union that's there now or whatever and just be like, yeah. can I just walk around? They'd be like, no, sir, please leave. Um, but there's a noodles in company right by, and I never had it before, and I had their pad thai with, our regular pad thai with double steak, which is probably not great for you, but man, it was so good, and every time I'd come to the show, I'd be like, man, I just had these noodles, and then eventually I just started using that as the intro, and it, it, it stuck for like a good 20 and it's, man, now I may be able... Just a word to Noodles and Company. Uh, you can See. reach us for an endorsement deal. Just come to Acaville.org. Happy to help. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I love it. I love it. All right. So sticking with tradition, um, as we've always maintained on this show, our last segment is always the moment where we like to leave our audience and our listeners out there with something that they can take away from all of the many things that we discussed during the the show. So Aaron, we're going to pose the same question to you that we pose to every guest that we have on the show. And that is if you could offer our listeners one piece of advice just to kind of take away that kind of pertains to, you know, the acapella community that deals with music, that deals with leadership, that deals with anything that you might be thinking, you know, what would you offer them? Well, that's a tough one. I, as John knows, I have no shortage of advice. So uh, it's really about limiting it to uh, <laughs> to just one. Um, and I guess it's a little bit of a two-parter. I'll, I'll cheat out a little bit here. But I think it's about bringing others along with you. And by that, what I mean is when you're learning medicine, it's the whole, the rule of learn one, see one, do one, right? So a surgery or a procedure or something like that. I think the same is true with acapella. If you are learning acapella and you're watching acapella and you're getting into an acapella group or you're sort of surrounding yourself in the acapella community, look around and see who else you can bring along with you. Who's on that same journey and hasn't quite gotten to the same place you are? Who's newer to the group? Who's newer to the community? Who's listening to other music and doesn't know about acapella and needs a little bit of an introduction to what's going on? Who hasn't yet heard of that cool group that you just discovered or the song that you just learned about. How can you help broaden this tent and bring others in to learn what we already know, that this is pretty awesome stuff and that in a lot of ways and for a lot of people, it can be life-changing and almost uniformly in a positive way. And I think that's a gift that everybody who's listening can give to the people around them. And it just kind of broadens that tent further and the ripples kind of go out from there. The B part of that, where it sort of goes from advice into perhaps a bit of a pitch, is one way to do that is to get involved at Acaville. We <laughs> do uh, have lots of, you know, we're a volunteer organization and there are lots of ways to ripple outwards around the world by getting involved doing things like Brian and John in front of the microphone or in front of a camera. We do live events and stream things from events and concerts and festivals all around the world to stuff behind the mic, like, you know, working with groups and getting music into the library and marketing stuff out. And I mean, there's just so much opportunity and it's a way to kind of expand your horizons uh, in the community that you may not already be aware of so sort of there's an overall bit of advice and then one suggestion about one way to do it well well said as someone who was gonna stick around for i remember i when i 
decided to join Acavel, it said on the thing, like, if you want to be a volunteer, you got to do nine months. And I was like, yeah, I can do nine months. And then I'm just under right. four years later. So do it. It's good. Like, you really took that one to heart. Enough said. Yeah, four years. <laughs> you could do it too, Brian. Come on, man. You could do it. That's true. Well, well time will tell. Time will tell. All right. Tell. Fair enough. Aaron, if people want to see what Acavel is all about, how could they do that? Well, I don't want to steal your thunder, John. I know you talk about it at the end of every episode, but I'll do it. Uh, Akavil Radio, at Akavil Radio on Twitter, on Instagram, on the Facebook, all over the place. And it's, it's not just radio, too, of course. We do all kinds of video things, too, but Akavil Radio it is. You can find us there. Brian, where can people find you, man? Oh, you can always find me on Twitter where I'm talking about very random things, at the Brian Alex Brian with an I. And, of course, go follow all the work I do with College Acapella on Facebook, Woo! Instagram, and Twitter. Well said. You can find me in the same place at John Lampus on Twitter and Instagram. I'm going to be tweeting about the Mandalorian a lot because it's great. This was episode 99 of Tacapella. I can't say anything better than the two gentlemen me have already said, but thanks for listening, guys. We got one more episode in. It's with Deke Sharon, and that's going to be just really good. That's going to be really, really good. We'll see you next time. And for everything acapella, please stay tuned.